Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. Happy Easter. Can we give God just a big hand clap this morning? Come on. Be thankful for him. We're so happy that you're here. Um, welcome to Renew Life Church. My name's Keith, and I'm the pastor here. I'm uh, just super excited that you chose to come here for Easter, and I'm hoping that, that today really just blesses you and, and blesses your family. I was, I was kind of laughing as, um, to myself as Natalie was kind of sharing this morning because um, she said, we hope that, you know, you, when you got out of your car, you had hope. She's like, we hope that you felt joy as you walked down that, that, that hallway to your kids. It's like, I feel joy every time because I leave them in there. And then I just, I come right back here and I'm like, this is awesome. I love church. This is how this should work all the time. So, um, but uh, no, we, we are, we really are. If, if you are a first time guest, if you're a part of this family, if you came with some family today, I just want to personally welcome you here. And uh, it, our, our church knows this. I, I'm, I am at war with golf claps in church, so we're actually going to welcome you the right way. So church, can we welcome all of our first-time guests today? <clears throat> awesome, awesome. Well, I, I felt really strongly. I don't necessarily know where this, this first part is going to go, but I, um, I just want you to know something about us and what I believe the Lord was sharing with me during worship. Um, what, you, what you have to know about Renew Life Church is we are a house of worship. When you come to this church, we are going to worship. We are going to give him the praise and the glory and the honor that he deserves. There's something special. and I mean, there are some amazing churches in this city with some amazing pastors that I know personally. We have, I was even texting them this morning saying, I hope you have a great Easter Sunday and we're praying for each other and all that. But there is something special about this place when it comes to worship. And it is, it is like God has put his hand on this body and he's put this, this hand um, on, on we're, we're supposed to represent a part of his kingdom in that area, I think, in this city. Does that make sense? And can I just say this? If we are a house of worship, what that means, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that we have a bunch of worshipers up here. It means we have a bunch of worshipers out there. That as a, as, as a, as a body, we are called to worship. And, and I just want you to know, you can worship in this place however you want. If you want to shout, you can come right up here. If you were wondering who was screaming during the service, it was me, all right? If you heard a big shout, if you want to come and jump and you want to raise your hands, if you want to stay still, if you want to sit down, um, it, here's the thing. Worship isn't about us, right? It's about him. And I, I, I know this. Scripture says that he inhabits Anybody want God to come and inhabit you? <laughs> you know what it says? It says he inhabits the praises of his people. Amen. I want to be a church that praises him and gives him the, the, the praise and the worship that he deserves. Um, you know, today I, I, want to, I want us to jump into the, uh, the story of the crucifixion and the resurrection. Um, of course, this is what we're going to talk about um, on Easter, but I, I want to take a, a portion, a small portion out of it and really, really kind of hit on that. Uh, but just to kind of give it some context and uh, just, to, just to remind ourselves of, of what Jesus really did for us, I, I want to read the entire account out of John. And so if you have your Bible today, you can open up to John chapter 19. We're going to be reading in verses 1 through 19. 
And, um, and then we're, gonna, we're actually going to uh, skip to the gospel of, of Luke to talk about the resurrection. But I really want today, to, I want to kind of set the stage and then I'll come back in and, and pull some parts out of this that we really want to hit on. John chapter 19 says this, Then Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip. The soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put a purple robe on him. Hail, king of the Jews, they mocked as they slapped him across the face. Pilate went outside again and said to the people, I'm going to bring him out to you now, but understand clearly that I find him not guilty. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said, look, here is the man. When they saw him, the leading priest and temple guards began shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Take him yourselves and crucify him, Pilate said. I find him not guilty. The Jewish leaders replied, by our law, he ought to die because he called himself the son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was more frightened than ever. (laughs) He took Jesus back into the headquarters again and asked him, where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. He said, why don't you talk to me, Pilate demanded. Don't you realize I have the power to release you or crucify you? Then Jesus said, you would have no power over me unless it was given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you is the great, um, has the greater sin. Then Pilate tried to release him, but the Jewish leader shouted, If you release this man, you are no friend to Caesar. Anyone who declares himself a king is a rebel against Caesar. When they said this, Pilate brought Jesus out to them again. Then Pilate sat down on the judgment seat on the platform that is called the stone pavement. It was now about noon on the day of preparation for the Passover. And Pilate said to the people, Look, here is your king. Away with him, they yelled. Away with him. Crucify him. What? Crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the leading priest shouted. Then Pilate turned Jesus over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus away. Carrying the cross by himself, he went to the place called Place of the Skull, in Hebrew, Golgotha. There they nailed him to the cross. Two others, we're going to come back to this point, two others were crucified with him. One on either side with Jesus between them. And Pilate posted a sign on the cross that read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Now we all know this story. We know what happens next. We know that Jesus dies on the cross. We know that they take his body to to the tomb in the garden. They bury him there. They roll the stone in front of the tomb. Um, But we also know the reason that we're here today, the reason that we're celebrating is is because he didn't actually stay there. Come on, somebody. They say amen. He didn't stay in the tomb. He didn't stay dead. No, he's risen from the dead today. And and as we see, there there are multiple accounts in the Gospels of of his resurrection. In fact, I I was going to read John. I I was laughing as I was reading John because... Um, if you remember, when he gives the account, he throws in two times that him and Peter went to go see if Jesus was there, and he just throws in this line, I was faster than Peter. Anybody ever read that before? <laughs> He's like, we were both going, but I got there before Peter did. And then he just says it one more time. It's like, John, we know Jesus loves you. You call yourself the beloved. Like, come on, man. You got, you got, that's why I'm not reading his today, because he has some pride issues. No, I'm kidding. <clears throat> But I absolutely love this part in Luke chapter 24. Let this encourage you today. Verse 1 says, But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. 
they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. And I love this next part. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who's alive? Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? Come on, you need to know today that Jesus is alive. He is risen. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. The reason we're here today is to celebrate that very thing. Is to celebrate the fact that Jesus didn't stay on that cross. He didn't stay in that tomb. But that he is risen again. And he came so that we could have that same life. I want to title today's message an invitation to the middle. An invitation to the middle. Would you pray with me? Yeah, Jesus, we thank you that today we celebrate the fact that you are alive, that you are seated at the right hand of the Father today, forever interceding, praying, talking good about us to the Father. We so thank you today. We worship you today. I just pray over this time um, that you would be here. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this room. We invite you to lead and to guide us into all truth. You're the best teacher. You're the best preacher, and we invite you to to lead us today. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that your anointing would be upon me and upon my words to speak and to bring life today. It's in Jesus' name we agree. Everybody said amen. 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 Um, have uh, Have you ever found yourself in a moment where someone tries to pull you into the middle of an issue or the middle of a problem, and you do not want to get in the middle of it? Anybody ever been in that situation? Uh, raise your hand if, if you like to have game nights. Anybody like game nights in here? You have friends over, couples over, and you have game nights, right? Game nights always start out good. <laughs> they just don't ever end that way, right? <clears throat> um, uh, I, I've always been a really, really competitive person, and what I realize is that everyone's a really, really competitive person. There's like a small population, like 2% of the population, like, oh, you know, I really don't care. And we just don't like those people, right? It's like, <laughs> come on, what's the matter with you? You need a little Jesus. You need a little, no, okay. <clears throat> we we, we kind of like to have our game nights. I've been a part, <laughs> I've been a part of many game nights that have gone away. And um, it's so funny because you see this with friends or you see this with couples, but um, we, 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 the way we like to do game night is we usually, we don't let couples be on the same team. Why? Because we, we like to work on people's marriages at our house, right? We want to see where you're at, all right? And we're going to see how you can, you can handle the problems, right? So we kind of split people up, and it never fails. Something will happen in the game, and the, and, and, and the couple will start arguing. And they'll start, they'll start it'll be sweet at first, but then, then they'll just, they just will stop caring who's in the room. They won't care if it's their first time at game night. They won't care if they've only known you for a month. No, no, no. I'm going to win in Scrabble. That's what's going to happen right here. And they'll start, they'll start to fight and they'll start to argue. But then after they do that for just a little bit, you know what they start doing? They turn and they start recruiting people. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. They start recruiting people to get on their side. Girls will always go for the girls. Guys will always go for the guys. And they just start, hey, come on, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And they just start recruiting. And, they, and what do they, they try to pull you into the middle of the issue. I've been a part of too many game nights. 
I'm too wise. I don't get involved. If they asked me to get in the middle, I said, I'm not getting in the middle of this. My marriage is good. My life is good. All right. I actually want more to happen when you leave my house tonight. So I ain't getting involved. All right. I'm not, I'm not, that's what, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm, I'm not getting in the middle. <clears throat> you know, uh, you've been in these situations before and they can be kind of trivial and fun. They can kind of be serious. But what I love about Jesus and what I love about the heavenly father is there's never been one time that I've heard him say, I'm not going to get in the middle of that situation. There's never been an instance in my life where he's, he's when, when I had a, a problem come up, when I had an issue come up, when I had a situation that I didn't know what to do, a situation that I couldn't deal with, a, a thing that I was going through, and I went to Jesus, and I said, and I started to recruit Jesus. And I said, would you, would, you, would you help me here? Would you? I've never heard the words, yeah, I'm just not going to get in the middle of this. Jesus is an expert at getting in the middle of stuff. You need Jesus in the middle of everything. You need Jesus in the middle of every situation. You need Jesus in the middle of your sin. You need Jesus in the middle of the places that you miss the mark. How many know that's just what sin is? Sin is a really simple thing. It just simply means that you miss the mark. Can we just have some testimony for a second? If you've ever missed the mark, would you raise your hand? I got a room full of sinners. I'm glad you came to church today. We miss the mark. And yet Jesus gets in the middle. He's not afraid of our, of our mess. He's not afraid of our mistakes. He's not afraid of the sin that you're living in right now. He's not afraid of that thing that you, that mountain that you keep circling over and over again. In fact, this is actually what we see in the story of the crucifixion. I believe that there is a prophetic picture in Scripture that actually shows that Jesus is not afraid to get in the middle of everything, of anything. If you go back with me in John chapter 16, uh, 19, verse 16, there's a really interesting portion of Scripture here. It says, so they took Jesus away, carrying the cross by himself. He went to the place called the place of the skull. There they nailed him to the cross. And I want you to check out this next part. It says, two others were crucified with him. One on either side. And here's the part with Jesus between them. Where was Jesus? Jesus was in the middle. Jesus was between the two criminals. You know, I find this... I find this really interesting. Did you know that every single gospel account, every author puts this detail in the story? That there were two criminals, one on the right, one on the left. Some scriptures call them revolutionaries. These were some bad dudes. These guys actually deserved the punishment that they were getting. And I, I don't know if you know this about scripture, but every gospel account is not the same. There are some authors that, that say some, some details here and they leave out other. De- you can find different details in each thing. And yet in all four Gospels, we see that they make a point that there are criminals on either side. 
that there are sinners on either side. And what I believe that this actually paints, it, it paints a prophetic picture that says Jesus is not afraid to get in the middle of our sin. He's not afraid to get in the middle of the crimes that we've committed. The, 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 the most powerful, the arguably the most powerful moment that the earth has ever seen. Where do we find Jesus? We find Jesus in the middle of the sin. We find Jesus in the middle of the crime. We find Jesus in the middle of two criminals, one a thief. Well, we, 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 where do we find him? We find him smack dab in the middle of our sin. And here's what we think. We think that he's afraid of our sin. We think that he's a, he's, he might be afraid of our mess up. Can I just say this? Jesus is an expert at our mess ups. Jesus is an expert at, at our sin. Jesus is an expert at our mistakes. You know why he's an expert? Because he's already won. He's been there, got the t-shirt, took on the sin, defeated it, done. Oh, but what do we do as people? This is just kind of, this is just kind of our forte. It's just like, it's kind of what we do. You know what we do? We actually, if I, I wish I, I kind of had a prop today. We, we, uh, we run over and if Jesus gets close, you know what we do? We pick up our mess and we run from him. Oh, Jesus gets a little bit closer, and it's like, okay, you can take my sin just a little bit further. All right, Jesus, what's up? Don't look over there. Don't worry about that over there. And the truth of the gospel is that we can actually take our sin and bring it right to him and put it right there and say, Jesus, this is me. Why don't you get in the middle of this? You see, you know what Jesus wants? He wants an invitation to the middle. He wants an invitation to the middle of your marriage. He wants an invitation to the middle of your sin. He wants an invitation to the middle of your mistake. He wants an invitation to the place that you miss the mark every single time. Can I just encourage you today? You want Jesus in the middle of your mess. You want him in the middle of your mess. You want him in the middle of those thoughts. You need him in the middle of those wrong emotions. You need Jesus in the middle of everything. A little bit more encouragement here. You can't do it. Did you feel the encouragement that came off of that statement? If you stay in the middle of your mess, you'll stay in the middle of your mess. It's only when we invite Jesus in. You know, uh, John chapter 10, verse 10 says this. It says, Jesus came to give us life and life more abundant. English, English standard uh, version says this. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. <clears throat> one, of my, one of my favorite scriptures is Proverbs chapter 3. I want to I read. It's one of the first ones I ever memorized. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Look at verse six. It says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Can I read it this way? In all your ways, invite him in. In all your ways, let him get in the middle of it. 
In all your ways, give him an invitation to say, Jesus, come in. What would you say about this? How, how would you give me wisdom in this? How would you have me do my business? How would you have me do this relationship? How would you have me do church? How would you have me? And you fill in the blank. In all your ways, invite him in. In all your ways, invite him in. <clears throat> now, there is a, uh, as you know, this, this story of, of the cross, the story doesn't end there, does it? It, 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 um, it starts there, but it's not the final picture. It's, can I just say this? The cross is half the story. The cross is half the story. <clears throat> we know what happens after the cross. We know that Jesus rose from the dead, that he took on our sin and he defeated it, that he took it on, he buried it, and he rose without it. That's actually what water baptism is all about. It's representing the fact that you go down as the old man and you leave all that junk in that water and when you come up, you're brand new. This is, this is the actual picture. And, what I, and the, the point that I want to make to you today is simply this. If Jesus didn't stay in the middle of your sin, that means you don't have to either. The story points to victory. The prophetic picture of Jesus between the, the, the two criminals, the, the prophetic picture that Jesus is between our sin, guess what? It's only half the story. It's really, really good that Jesus relates. It's really, really good that Jesus has gone through everything that we've ever gone through. And he is so compassionate and he is so loving and he can so meet us in the middle of our mess and he's comfortable there and he's powerful there and all that. But he doesn't just come to the middle of our mess to leave us there. Am I preaching to anybody today? He doesn't come to stay there. He actually comes to bring us victory in the very thing that you invite him in the middle of. Let me say it this way. Jesus doesn't just come to, to relate to us. He comes to redeem us. And I'm not, I'm not fighting a, 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 a theology here or a, or a message here. But I, I do think that the church, as uh, recently, I think the Lord has actually released this revelation of how much Jesus actually relates to us how much he wants to get down in the middle of our mess, that, we, that the body of Christ is realizing that there are things that happen to people and there's freedom that is needed and there's a past that people have and there's a, an environment that they did grow up in and there's things that happen to us that literally do affect us in our future. And can I just say, I 100% believe in that. I 100% believe in freedom ministries. I 100% believe in inner healing. I believe that is all really, really good. Well, you know what I also believe? I also believe that when Jesus comes in, he makes a, dif a difference. I believe that when Jesus came and he said, I came to give you life and life more abundant, that does not look like you staying in your hurt. It doesn't look like you staying in your sin. It doesn't look like you, you, you stay as a Christian, that you stay struggling. Come on, I've got really, really good news for you today. Following Jesus doesn't look like you struggling through life. It doesn't. It doesn't look like you just barely getting by. Many of us have this theology that we're, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Yeah, but so much more. 
thank God for his grace. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his love on our life. Many people love to, to quote the scripture, oh, but for all have fallen short of the glory of God. Have you read the next verse? Yet we've been made righteous. Yet we've been made put in right standing with him. Yet we've been given life. The story of the cross and the resurrection is that we don't stay there. We actually are risen again just like him. There is hope in the situation that you find yourself in. You know, I think sometimes, if I could just say this, we give sin too much flipping credit. Too much credit. It is not more powerful than what Jesus did. And the more you realize that, the more you'll defeat it. Man, I want to get off the stage right now and just start doing something. I don't know. I'm going to stay, though. In Midland, when I go and preach down there, the second service, they film all of our, uh, our services, and they put it on YouTube. And um, I don't know if you can tell, but I move quite a bit on stage. And they had a whole staff meeting on ideas to figure out how to keep Keith from moving so much. One of the ideas, an electric fence. One of the other ideas, what they say, trained sheepdogs that just bark at him as I get to the edge of the stage. Like, just stay right there. <clears throat> Man, I just, this, it, it's called the good news. It's called the good news. And I'm not saying that we won't go through stuff. I'm not saying there are not seasons in our life that are hard, that just stink. Oh no, guess what? Jesus comes right in the middle of it. He gets right in the middle of that mess. He comforts you while you're there. But after, after so long, you know what he does? He kind of just comes over and nudges you and say, are you ready to get out of this yet? It's time. It's time to come out. I came here for a reason. I, I, I actually, I beat death, sin, and the grave for a reason. I left that junk, I left, there's kids in here, I left that junk down in that grave for a reason so that you don't have to deal with it. You wanna know why we don't have to go through life thinking about if we're doing good or not? Because that's no life at all. You know what that's called? Jesus says that's called the law. It's a law mindset. I, and I hear, 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 guess what? Grace even covers you when you live in the law. Some of you may, may have even made a law decision to come to church today. Well, you know, by God, it's Easter. I better get there. Some of you are like, this guy, I'm never coming back. <clears throat> I'm glad you're here. I don't care what got you here. What I care about is that you hear the real gospel. And the gospel says this, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how bad you think you are or how good you think you are because it ain't about you. It's all about him. It is not about your actions. It is not about um, what you've done. It is not about your maturity. It is not about your past. It is not about your future. It is about one single act. Jesus got on that cross and he said these three words, it is finished. It's finished. And we get to live in that life. 
He literally freed you from the thought of sin. And here's what scripture says, so that you might live according to righteousness. You know what we can't do as believers? We can't live when we're thinking about if we're doing everything right. We're not living. We're just checking boxes. I want to ask you today, have you invited him into the middle of your situation? Does Jesus have an invitation to the middle of everything? If you could even picture that today. Have you like a handwritten invitation? Have you, have you sent him one that said, Jesus, I want you in the middle of this. I want you in the middle of my business. I want you in the middle of my marriage. I want you in the middle of the, of the yuck. I want you in the middle of the, of the nasty. If Jesus did it on the cross, why won't he do it for you? I'm gonna read this last scripture to you and I'll close. First John chapter two, verses one through two says this. <clears throat> it says, my dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.